Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, my name is Dallas Montague, joining you here from Sao Paulo, Brazil, again today. And today we have a very unique episode. We have a podcast expert joining us today. He is a professional. He is the host of a podcast called Shark Bite Biz. And he has an amazing, amazing show, an amazing following. And we're going to talk with him about all of the things that he discusses on his podcast. He is a business professional. He has so many tips and tricks how to be successful in the 2020s moving forward. And so I want to invite David onto the show, David Streiser. David, how are you today? Oh, I am doing perfect. First, uh, very humbled with your awesome intro. Thank you so much. Very appreciative of that. And I'm just really excited to be on your show, talking to your fan base and, uh, you know, talking a little bit about faith, about business. And uh, you'll be surprised how much those two things kind of intersect together. Mm -hmm. Before we start asking questions and getting to know you a little bit better, just first tell us what is shark bait biz? Shark bite, shark bait. I keep saying shark that. Bite biz. Shark bite. That's because biz. I told you that you were shark bait before. Yes, the show. you told me so earlier, that's, and that's that, why it's, it's, it's there. Yeah, yeah. That's my catch line with the show. I always tell people, you know, hey, you just became shark bait. But shark bite biz. This show, you know. I've actually, I, I guess you could say I'm embarrassed to say this, but I've registered the domain. I think it was 2014 or 2015, all the way back then. And it, podcast is something I've always wanted to do. I just never actually did it. And I was up, I opted for live events instead. And we would do these awesome executive luncheons in Los Angeles that were out of the box. I called them the anti-luncheon. And we'd have people like William Hung, the verb pipe, you know, the song, the freshman, I'm sure you've heard that. Uh, we've had people like that come on speaking and it was just totally quirky. We were planning once I moved out to the beautiful city of Philadelphia for work, we were planning on doing a Northeast roadshow uh, throughout here, kind of built off of my L.A. model. But what had happened? Well, the whole world kind of shut down. So we had to axe the plans. And it was like, okay, well, we're just putting this on hold. Well, that hold, uh, you remember the, the two weeks that everybody was talking about, ended up being a little bit longer than two weeks. And once yeah. I realized that, it was kind of like, okay, I've got to find a way to get out there and network. How do I meet people? And how do I also bring people together? And that's where it just clicked one day. Like, hey, I've got to go back. I got to do the podcast. I already got everything. I've been paying for it for five years at this mm -hmm. point. So I came out. We did the show. It originally started with the theme of, you know, how to have your business survive 
you know, through COVID, how to get through the pandemic. What do you have to do? What do these experts see? What do you have to pivot in your business or digitally transform? But now that we're getting to the endemic stage, um, you ask a million experts, you get a million different answers of where we're at with the, you know, COVID right now. But um, the thing is, it's here. It's probably not leaving. We're living with it. And I think most of the world is, you know, adopting to living with it now. So it's starting to get back to business, back to normal. So what we've started to do over the last few months is, okay, you know, we don't have to be so much how to change your business during COVID. And let's start talking more about what I call the three G's, which is personal growth, professional growth, and obviously business growth. So that's pretty much a show in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And I really like that you say that in a world full of sharks, learn how to bite first. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's an awesome tagline. Yeah, there. a lot of people, a lot of people think that I did shark bite biz because of Shark Tank. Um, I've never been a fan of Shark Tank, <laughs> the show itself. Although I will say the Australian version rocks. I love it. I watch those episodes on YouTube, but it never had anything to do with Shark Tank at all. It actually, you know, when I think of business. I think of people that are aggressive animals out there trying to get a sale, trying to, you know, start a business up. You know, these these are people that are very, very motivated. And we are in a, you know, shark eat chart world or yeah. dog eat dog world, depending, you know, what you do. And I always view like, hey, in business, you have to be a shark. You have to bite or else you're going to get beaten. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. What if the United States of America were no longer united? The USA is divided. In its wake lie four autonomous territories, the Southeast, the Pacific, the Frontier, and the Northeast. The last of these is ruled by an authoritarian coprotocracy that uses AI technology, social credit scores, and the central bank digital currency to subjugate the masses. It's a green forest of greedy creeps and broken beasts. It's the place Finn Colligan calls home. Purchase your copy of The Divided Stories of America, The Green Forest on Amazon today. Entering your promised land may not always feel like your comfort zone. Thank God for the people he sends your way to speak life into areas you thought were impossible. Your persistence is creating your breakthrough. Today is the day to ask the Lord to move the mountains you can't move. With over eight years of ministry experience, Joel Yontz believes that Christian faith goes beyond Sunday mornings at church. Rather, faith lives deep within our hearts and souls as we face every day of the week of our own lives. Purchase your copy of Your Mountains Must Move, Hope to Rise Against Mountains of Discouragement on Amazon today. And tell us a little bit more about your personal faith. Our audience love to hear about this. After you talk about that, we're going to talk a little bit more about the podcast itself. Oh, yeah. No problem. No problem. So my personal faith, I mean, it's been a it's been a long journey. It was obviously born uh, into a Christian household and you know, there's been ups and downs. I think like most people, uh, my parents had a bitter divorce and I was about 12 at the time. And that's probably where I tried to lean onto faith 
as much as I could. But at the same time, it, it, I think everybody goes through one of those moments where they're kind of like, is there a God? Like, how can things be so bad? Like, I feel like yeah. he abandoned me. And I, 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 I someone's got to be able to relate to that feeling throughout their life. And that's how I felt, you know, being a 12 year old, the oldest sibling, bitter divorce, um, a very abusive situation, I think, between both my parents and the position I was put in. And I wasn't really happy with that. It led me down a very dark path. And this is something I don't share very often, but it led to, you know, drugs, alcohol, all that stuff. Um, and thinking back, I, I will say one thing, you know, there's plenty of people in, in high school and stuff like that. You know, they were the good kids. You know, they didn't do drugs, perfect grades, all that stuff. Look at them today. Now they're, you know, meth heads and stuff. You know, it, yeah. it's, yeah. I kind of I kind of view it that even though that was the hardest part of my life, it was actually a blessing in disguise because I experimented at that with that stuff. And it was heavy, heavy, heavy type drugs. I did that at a young age, um, you know, my mid teens and to late teens. And because I did it, I knew what it was. I knew what it was about. And I realized I had to get out, which is what led me moving to Mexico when I was 18 in the first place. But I learned that experience from a very, very young age, which has kept me sober then throughout the rest of my life. It was a, you know, that's why I say it was a blessing in disguise because I didn't have the temptations in my 30s to go out and start using all this stuff again or try mm -hmm. something. It's like been there, done that, know what it's about, not going to ruin my life. But throughout that whole period, I mean, when I did realize that there was a problem, when I realized that, you know, things are getting dark, you know, like it felt like every day could be my last day because I could OD and I needed to get help. Um, you know, faith and, and religion is really what kept me alive, you know, just uh, believing that there was a way out and put in my my faith into God to be able to get out of that dark period and move into, you know, a more healthier moment in my life. And it really yeah. was that bridge I had to cross to get from the deepest, darkest part of my life to a much happier, happier version of my life. So for that, you know, I'm very grateful. And uh, one of the songs that I think really helped me was, you know, I, I better say this, but I, I'm a very honest, transparent person. Um, I wear my pride on my sleeve as far as uh, telling where I've been and, and all that I've gone through. But I think, you know, it builds my character, it makes me who I am for today. Yeah. And I remember being unconscious um and i i don't know i was out maybe 12 14 hours something like that it was a long time and when i i finally came through and uh you know woke up uh aerosmith was always my favorite band um i've loved them but they had uh the song amazing on the radio at that time and it's a song that i listened to a million times before but it never struck to me i never understood it and basically for people that don't know the song amazing was steven tyler's 
personal story of fighting his addiction and getting over his addiction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the song, the words, I feel like it was God speaking to me right there. Like, hey, here's your 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 idol, your Steven Tyler. Listen. And it's like that's what clicked in my head. And yeah. then I realized all the things I, I I had to do to to do. And part of it was all my friends were addicts. I couldn't get mm-hmm. clean if everybody else I knew was an addict. It would only last for a month or two. And that's what I moved, ended up moving to the drug capital of the world, Tijuana. And, and I that's what sounds crazy. Like, life. okay, I had a drug problem and I moved to Mexico. Like, that's, I don't know if I would advise that. <laughs> right, right. But the thing is, is that I went there to start over. The friendships I built weren't friendships that were built off of drugs and alcohol. Well, maybe a little bit of alcohol because it was cool being in Mexico in 18, you can drink, whereas in the States, it's Mm -hmm. 21. So that was a a little bit, but I never had an actual alcohol problem at all. So that if I had a few drinks here or, or, you know, whatever, that that wasn't an issue. That's something I always was able to control. Did you speak Spanish when you went to Mexico the first time? No, no. But the benefit of some place like Tijuana is that there's a lot of English speakers. Um, Mm -hmm. You got to remember when uh, for a long time, many, many years, when the U.S. deports people to Mexico, they deport right into Tijuana. And that's where a lot of these people, some of them could have been living in the States for 20 years and speak perfect English. And then they all end up down there and resettling and building lives down there. Uh, So it's got a very high community. I mean, it it is a very unique city. It's very uh, transitory. A lot of people moving through uh, temporarily, Uh, but it's beautiful. Some of the best people, some of the best foods I've ever had and, and religion even became stronger down there. Because we just happened to live next door to a non-denominational uh, Christian pastor who each week was like, David, come to my house for church. Come to my house for church. Come to my house for church. Finally gave it. And, you know, there we are um, yeah. at his house each week for church. Um, I will admit I was a bad Christian. I did not go when the Philadelphia Eagles were playing football. I asked him <laughs> to change it. I asked yeah. him to change the time of the service. He would not oblige uh, those uh, couple weeks I did miss. But I did go, um, you know, uh, throughout the week and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's been a long journey, you know, the faith thing. It's a nev- never stopping uphill bat- uh, battle. Yeah. And really cling out on to your faith is what keeps me going every single day with the belief that I can make it. You know, if I didn't believe in something bigger or better than myself with god specifically i don't know i would be the person that i am today yeah and it's unbelievable for our audience who know my story and chris the other co-host's story we have a very very similar story i grew up oh wow you know my parents were divorced many times as well i became into addiction at 16 years old and now i live in brazil and i'm married to a brazilian and you're married to a mexican I mean, my well, goodness. Peruvian. Yeah. A Peruvian. Okay, Peruvian. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Someone who's I not American. It's just so <laughs> so incredible how similar our yeah. lives are. And and yeah. I think God was reaching out to you. He wanted you. Oh, he knew yeah. you. And my favorite message to likely. say is that Jesus loves the lost people. He loves the lost yeah. people. And he called out to you, called out to me, he called out to Chris, he called out to so many other people. If we'll just listen, 
come yeah and 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 they do it it. i think he does it different ways like for me yes certainly if i wasn't just waking up i mean you gotta think there's a million different songs that could have been on the radio at that moment I just happened to wake up and there's, you know, all groggy and and goofy and kind of out of it. But I hear the song amazing. And in my state of mind, that song made perfect sense to me. I mean, what are the the chances of that happen? Now, given it was uh, the mid 90s, but it wasn't exactly like Amazing was a brand new single at the time either. I mean, you're, you're probably talking... 98 99 i think amazing came out in 94 and their big ones album uh so it's you know a couple years out so for that song to come on exactly at that moment and you know for for me to actually actually get it um you know it it was a godsend uh that's the only thing i can really say about that and you know one weird thing is a lot of people have that um have that same story uh you know about the the song amazing that it's a song that actually has reached out to them in their lowest moments uh that have suffered with addiction and it came they heard it just at the right time and things clicked and it it helped them get on the righteous path uh one quick shout out for my daughter too my daughter uh we named her Liv. she was born premature 27 weeks or, or no 29 weeks sorry uh, so very premature Niku for like three months out in San Diego. And uh, she's going to turn 10 on December 27th. But we actually ended up naming her Liv uh, for two reasons. One, because live for life, uh, you know, in that type of term. It's not Olivia or anything like that. It no, actually I was going to ask if it's L-I-V, Olivia, live for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it's just pure live L.I.V., you know, the symbolized life and stuff like that because she was born premature. But also her mother, uh, I met my wife, her mother at an Aerosmith concert in Lima, Peru, which wow. is how we met. And then considering my whole life with, the, you know, the history I just told you and stuff like that. Um, she's actually named after Liv Tyler as well, too, as a homage mm-hmm. to the, the path I mean. It's crazy. I mean, Aerosmith through God or, you know, maybe it was just pure coincidence, but it got me sober and it got me a wife. So thank you, Steven Tyler. I mean, those are two great things, right? (laughs) Sobriety and having a wife. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking. Hey, like Joe Perry says, let the music do the talking. Yeah. So good. And talking a little bit more about your podcast specifically, what are some of the things that you discuss? You said that you have a lot of hosts on. And so I think your show is very similar to our show. We're doing a lot of interviews. Tell us a little bit more about Mm -hmm. your show. Yeah, my show, it's it's fun. I I go all over the charts. Um, I probably should screen people better, but I just give a quick glance and I'm like, okay, yeah, they can come on. Uh, But I go into each interview blissfully ignorant. Um, I don't study them. Why? Um, I like to say that I try to do a Joe Rogan-esque interview without the Mm -hmm. controversy, Uh, meaning that I want to go in there and I want to have an actual conversation, just kind of like you and I are having two two guys just here chatting or two people just chatting and, and talking about business. I go down the rabbit holes. We try to make some jokes. But at the end of the day, 
what we're trying to do is learn something of value from the guests on the other end because the guest that's on is an expert at something. And yeah, there's been people that are way more famous than other people. I mean, I've had uh, Gore on uh, the show. I've had Life of Agony, uh, The Verb Pipe, William Hung. Um, I've had uh, Jack Douglas, who is Aerosmith's producer. I've had a member of Aerosmith on the show. Uh, I've had a lot of celebrities on the show, but I've also have had CEOs of uh, like from recruiter.com. I've had lesser known people on the show because even the lesser known person, like, for example, I had a, a great woman who works in the coal country, Pennsylvania, who's a friend of mine. And she went from a um, uh, working in a funeral parlor to be in a top-notch fitness coach. And hearing how she did that transition and why, I mean, I think that's an amazing story because there's a lot of people out there that aren't happy with their careers and they may be afraid to do a career switch. So I try to get those messages out. You know, I had Soledad O'Brien, the former CNN anchor, on my show. Um, and... She was on for about 40, 45 minutes. You know, did we talk? She's known for talking politics. Not one political question. It was about being a CEO, a producer, a, a media personality, and being a mom during the pandemic and how she has managed everything. And I got stories from her that you won't see on any other interviews. It's a very rare interview because it's a personal interview i go for the personal connections with my guests and i try to get them to tell me the story a different way i mean yeah. i don't want to hear verbatim what tony robbins is saying i want to hear real life story of a successful person and their failures as well as their successes i think that's amazing because there's so many podcasts out there in 2020 2022 oh, yeah. in the pandemic you started there's so many podcasts and so yours is a unique interview with a person that has probably had many other interviews in the past sometimes sometimes i'm the first one uh yeah. which i mean you could tell if there's an episode like today's it, it's different i'm doing a lot of talking because i'm the person that's being interviewed yeah. <laughs> but normally on my show i try to do around a 70 30 uh mm -hmm. balance i do interrupt a lot of my guests but if i interrupt them it's usually because you know maybe they use an acronym and it's like oh you just said abc what is abc mm -hmm. can you explain mm -hmm. that real quick okay so that way everybody's on the same page or they use an industry term you just said this what is that okay uh or maybe because you gotta remember this is your bread and butter this is what they do every single day so for them it's normal, but they may have just said something and I have light bulbs going off in my head. It's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, mm -hmm. let's get a little Feed bit the audience. Let's explain this. what's going on. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because otherwise you end up having a list of like 50 different questions that you have to circle back on and never get to. So I go when the you know, the iron's hot and I tell them like this isn't um, you've already let me speak more interrupted than I usually do my guests. But mm. I, I try to say, hey, it's not going to be a monologue. You know what I mean? Like no one's going to be yeah. up there doing five minute speeches, except for maybe like intro, outro. I, I don't care too much about that. But um, we want this to be a conversation. We want it to go back and forth, which is why, again, I try to go into the interviews blissfully ignorant, because while I may know the main topic, 
Um, I want to ask organic questions out of true, honest curiosity, as well as what the guests are probably thinking. And if I've already studied everything about that individual, it's hard to do that because it's like, I, I already know the answer. I'm not going to ask that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know that that's my secret, I think, to success and what kind of differentiates us. Mm -hmm. I understand completely what you're saying. And, and from my perspective, I'm asking like I'm the audience. Like I'm always, right. I'm sure our audience have questions. And so I want to, I want to know personally, like, why, why did you move to Mexico? How did moving to Mexico help you, you know, in your business career, things like this that right. I'm curious about personally. And so I think I've worked I the for the Mexican benefit. government for two years. Wow. Tell us that. Tell us about yeah. that. Uh, so, okay. You got to go back to the great recession and I'll, again, you know, honest and transparent with anything. I could not find work. Um, and I could not find anybody. I guess the the term people use these days are living wage. I couldn't find anybody to pay a living wage, even me living in Mexico at the time. And so I ended up just doing consulting because one day it clicked. I know all these people in Mexico. I know Spanish. I, I, I've got connections. I got networks. Uh why don't I try to bring American products down into Mexico to take advantage of NAFTA at the time, uh, which is now the USMCA, which is the free trade agreement between Canada, United States and Mexico. So I was trying to take advantage of that. What happened was once I got my feelers out, I started getting jobs that were more centric around tech, but tourism tech. So, you know, the couple of clients like bordertraffic.com, uh, I've done immense work with them where you can get uh, live camera feeds on the actual border uh, and see how long the borderline it is because Tijuana is notorious for having borderlines that, you know, today it might take you an hour, tomorrow it might take you six, okay? And there's a lot of people that tra uh, travel the border every single day because they live in Mexico, work in the U.S. I'm not just talking about Mexicans or Mexican-Americans, uh, but just regular Americans would too. Um, because you can get a dream house down in Tijuana for a thousand bucks a month. And the same house in San Diego would cost you maybe eight grand a month. Yeah. So yeah. Um, a lot of people take advantage of, of that. And that's why they, they put up with the border commute every single day. And we helped, you know, invent the technology and get it out there with the app. Now, on top of that, we had BajaBound.com, which is uh, insurance for your vehicle. If you were to drive down into Mexico, very important. Uh, if you do not have insurance in Mexico, you will go to jail. It's not because it's a corrupt cop or anything like that. Like people think about the police down in Tijuana. Um, there are those, not as many as uh, anymore. But uh, used to be much, much, much worse. But uh, mm. if you don't have insurance, that's actually and you get in an accident. That's a serious, serious infraction because I was in an accident one time. I had insurance, obviously, because of working for Baja Bound, but I hit a guardrail. And, um, you know, luckily, the insurance company got there just in time before they were about to throw me into uh, a Mexican jail because I damaged wow. uh, government 
property, which uh, it was since it was a federal highway, it was a federal offense. And I'm like, dude, I have insurance, but they don't care. They still arrest you. And then the insurance company has to bail you out. Uh, they basically what? get the bond. Yeah. Wow. So that's how that's how it worked. I, I, I'm not sure if it's still that way. But as of five years ago, it was that way. I'm sure probably still the same way today. But that's why it's very important to have your insurance. And Baja Bound is amazing. And they'll cover you for all of Mexico, not just Baja if you need it. But I ended up working with companies like that. And that helped me build up a relationship with the Secretary of Tourism. So I ended up becoming the binational advisor to the Secretary of Tourism for Baja for about two year period. Worked on some really awesome projects, did some really cool stuff. And I kind of as someone that had a mixed family that lived in Mexico for so long. I kind of gave them, you know, the the gringo perspective, I guess yeah. you can say, as far as what can you do to make the city more attractive for tourists, for tourism, things like that, because they didn't really understand the American market. You know, they think they did, but they really don't. And I was trying to help build that gap. Some things they did, some things they didn't. Uh, but it was only it was a very, very, very small part time gig that I had. I mean, I'm talking some weeks I might work an hour, some weeks it might have been five hours, you know, or, or we did filming of um, like uh, Sam, the cooking guy. We did his episodes, uh, Dos Dias in Baja. It's called uh, Two Days Down in Baja, California, where he was cooking on a skyscraper with one of Tijuana's most famous chefs. So it, it was pretty gnarly. I mean, it was really cool experience. That sounds amazing. You touched on something that I want to comment that. So here in Brazil, I'm an English teacher. I'm a missionary first, but I'm also an English teacher. And I have the podcast and other projects to support my family as a foreigner in a foreign country. And right. you touched on something that I was talking with one of my students about yesterday, about being a foreigner and working in the country. Because here where I live in Brazil, there's a lot of Venezuelans that have left Venezuela and settled here yes. in the city. They don't have jobs. My wife has said the same about Peru. They don't have jobs. They need to support mm -hmm. their family. They go to the streets asking for money. They go to the supermarket asking for money. I'm not condemning that at all, just to be clear on that. Yeah. However, I'm the same person as them. I'm in the same exact situation as them. I came mm -hmm. to Brazil as a foreigner. They speak Spanish. I speak English. Neither of us speak Portuguese. We're in the same situation, right. but I'm so <laughs> grateful that I have an opportunity to teach English and to do the podcast here and so many other projects yeah. that I've been able to work with that it's such a struggle for some people that they don't have mm -hmm. this opportunity. Maybe it's because I was born in the US and I have this different mindset of, you know, work like like being a shark, you know? I, I think the mindset, the mindset of where you were born is I think it's important. a huge play. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, for example, when I lived in Pottsville, Pennsylvania, home of Yingling beer and the 1925 disputed NFL champions, um, we <laughs> uh, had to throw the obscure football reference in there. But that was a very closed minded place. Like I'd always have mm -hmm. ideas like, hey, what about doing this? What about that? Like I always had dreams that were bigger than that place would allow. Remember my grandfather all the time, boy, get your head out of the clouds. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like, how come every time I ask something, it's no, it's no. And that's where 
I escape to, you know, Tijuana, but also California because it's on the people don't realize this, but think of Philadelphia. Okay. The city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with a fence in the middle of the city, northern side of San Diego, USA, southern side is Tijuana, Mexico. That is Tijuana. It is one big metro area with a border between it. Okay. And I needed to go someplace where my ideas and dreams were able to come true. And I did that. That's part of the reason that I moved. And it is about mindset, uh, mindset and those things of where people come. That's one of the biggest things I love about Tijuana, because in Tijuana, you will see some of the craziest things. And it's just about how people work to try to make ends meet, make mm -hmm. money. I mean, whether they're painting speed bumps on the road and then asking the community where the speed bump is, they give them a tip or whether they have their famous uh, uh, zebras, uh, zonkeys, zonkeys, the zonkeys, which are donkeys that are painted black and white like zebras uh, that you take pictures mm -hmm. with that have been there for like 100 years. I uh, love this. But I love this. Yeah, Doing whatever I, it takes. It, it is crazy. Yeah. I love it. It's been an inspiration for me because it showed me no matter what your economic situation is, yeah. you know, if you have the right mindset, you can make something out of nothing. Now, will you be a millionaire? No. But will you survive uh, and be able to at least live somewhat decently? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you probably can. And that's that's what I learned at Tijuana the most. But my wife has said, you know, the same thing that you've said with Brazil and Venezuela, same thing over there in the Peru side, mm -hmm. because multiple times I've asked her like, hey, I can work from Peru. Why don't we just move to Peru? And she's like, no, 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 no. It's it's bad mm -hmm. because of the situation with Venezuela right now. So that's kind of bummed me out. Yeah, it, it is very, very interesting. The mindset, I think going back to that, it's the mindset. And as a mm -hmm. since we're talking about business here. I came to Brazil as a missionary and I did missions in Asia before I lived here in Brazil. Wow. I did I lived in Thailand and Cambodia. And okay. now I was I'm living... jealous of you. <laughs> again? Say it again. Now now I'm jealous of you. Uh, okay. I thought you said something uh, in you... Spanish. I was like, I, oh, I don't no, no, understand. No, 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 no. I was <laughs> okay, saying okay. that I'm, I was saying that I'm jealous of you because I've always wanted to go to Asia. It was unique. One of the funny stories is that I did eat a dog when I was in Cambodia. That's a story for another wow. time. But a barbecued dog, I did eat that. And now, if you heard that in, from in the U.S., you, you you'd be canceled. You'd be there'd be oh, outrage, yeah. and yeah. you know it's yeah, it's sad. I mean, I feel compassion towards dogs, but I'm also not going to hate on a culture that is thousands of years hungry. older than us. I think I mean, they know what they're, they're hungry. Doing. You know what I mean? Like right? How are you going to condemn that? But. Being yeah. in Asia, I was there 100% as a missionary funded by churches. And it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. God raised more than enough money than I needed to live in Asia and to come to Brazil to start. But I didn't want to live that way. I wanted to be a missionary, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to depend on churches to, hey, right. please, I don't want to be that guy that when I call my pastor, he's like, I'm not going to answer because Dallas is going to ask me for some money. You know, I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. I wanted to be free and serve God and help people. And, and live my life, you know? And so that's how I started yep. doing business and English and all of these things at the same time to support my family. See, you're and an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. And my wife says you wear many hats. And no, I just, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I do whatever it takes to provide for my family, you know? That's it. And that's, that's amazing. Credit to you. A lot of people 
can't do it or they I think I oversimplify is not the word, but I guess you could say that they oversimplify it to make it seem like it's harder than what it is um, because it, it's not that hard. It comes out to having faith, um, you know, not, not just in God, but also faith in yourself. OK, because when you start doing anything, whether it's a podcast, whether it's this, whether it's that, you always have doubt. Will I be successful? Uh, will this work out? Am I wasting my time? I could tell you how many times I quit a job and then three weeks later, the huge million dollar deal I was working on for a year finally closed, you know, because I gave up mm -hmm. on it too soon. That's happened to me many times. And it really comes down to mindset, mind frame, determination and being able to stay positive. That's huge. You know, that's where you turn to your faith. You know, when negative thoughts start to creep in, you have to kick in mouth because if not, it, it's kind of like a, a virus. It will spread throughout your whole body and then you're going to be sabotaging yourself. Mm -hmm. If you could tell our audience today one overall tip for business, what do you think that would be today? Number one tip for business i'd say don't be afraid to try uh no matter what that is okay just because some things already exist or something's already invented that doesn't mean that you can't make it better i mm. mean look at twitter with the 50 different alternatives out there of uh, all these companies trying to take down twitter right now i mean it, it's it's the same mindset you know just because something exists doesn't mean you can't make something bigger or better and approve upon what's already out there you know so don't be afraid to try and don't be afraid to to be original you know you have to kind of just let go of your fear and just have faith but you know i i think Man, I just walked down a rabbit hole myself. This is where most people mess up. They think, oh, I'm determined. I got a good idea. I'm going to try. I'm going to you know, give it a shot. Uh, I'm determined. Everything. They, they, they have it in their mind. Okay. But they don't really execute. They don't really go out there. And if you look back at their actions, can you, you know, if you judge them, can you say you gave 110% of everything? And chances are the people, a lot of people that fail. No, they didn't. You know, some people do. Some people do. Okay. Some people give 110% and it just didn't work out uh, because they weren't able to learn from their mistakes and adjust, pivot, and then grow from there. Uh, but most people, if you literally give it 110%, you're going to succeed with it yeah. in some shape or form may not be as big as you want may not be as big as you'd like but you're going to have some level of success most people fail because of the fact that they don't give that 110 percent. they only give 90 80 70 percent of their total effort and that's where unless you have other people around you picking up that slack you're not going to have the level of success you want it never leaves the paper it, it looks good on paper but when it comes uh -huh. time to execute, that's it. You just summed up the Dallas Cowboys season right there. <laughs> wow, you can't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not a fan, okay? Not a Cowboys but fan. Every Brazilian, 
I say, hello, my name is Dallas. And they say, oh, Texas. No, I'm not from Texas. And I say, my <laughs> name is Dallas. And like, great, great. You're from Texas. No, I'm not from Texas. Come on. <laughs> people, people often confuse that. And the Dallas Cowboys yeah. also get thrown in the mix there. <laughs> uh, there you go. Well, I do like one Dallas, and that's Dallas Goddard on the Philadelphia Eagles. But I will say, <laughs> you know, that your story right there, it reminded me, this is really 10 second quick story. But when I moved out to uh, Mexico, originally people would ask me, where are you from? Okay. And just being coal country, Pennsylvania, I'd always say Pennsylvania. Okay. Eventually I started saying Philadelphia. And the reason why is because every time I said Pennsylvania to people down in Tijuana, first thing I would hear in Spanish, oh, vampiros. They were saying vampires. And like, no, that's Transylvania, my friend. Oh. I'm talking about Pennsylvania. <laughs> so I, I ended up just saying Philadelphia then, and yeah. that stopped everything. So, that makes so much but, sense. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was, it was kind of... I guess it was funny when I was younger, but then as I got older, I got crankier. It's it's interesting how uninformed we are about other cultures, because when I was telling people I'm moving to Brazil, they're like, do you speak Spanish? No, I don't. But neither do they. So don't worry. <laughs> exactly, you know, exactly. I've never heard of Sao Paulo, Brazil in my entire life, but it's one of the top five biggest cities in the world. You know, there, there's just so much we don't know. We don't know yep. about other co yeah, other countries, yeah. other cultures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick, you mind if I give a shout out to where they can find my show? Please tell us where can our audience find you and your website and all of your other material that's out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple different places you can go. First off, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, David Strausser, uh, the good looking guy that wears glasses, that version. Uh, you can also go to davidstrausser.com uh, for my website. You can find me on Twitter at dstrausser83. And you can also, um, you know, find me on YouTube. Look up Shark Bite Biz. Three words. Um, and you can go to sharkbitebiz.com as well, too, to get the links to find it on audio, video, uh, whatever platform you use. We're there. Just search Shark Bite Biz. And, uh, you know, any business entrepreneurs out there, uh, you know, even you, Dallas, welcome to come on to the show. Uh, just interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. I do have a, a little bit of a wait, but uh, I will give uh, people from uh, this episode a little bit of priority and I'll get you recorded sometime in quarter one of 2023. Excellent. David, thank you again so much for, for joining us. Everything that you shared. I think this was an excellent podcast. Oh, hey, thank you. I'm so grateful to come on here to talk about uh, you know the, the how God affected my personal life my history talked about business we talked about shark bite fizz make sure you hit that like and subscribe button and uh you know yeah had a great fun so i'm uh, honored to be here thank you so much dallas you've just listened to the faith and family fellowship podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher, Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.